Welcome to the Generations Church podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Mark chapter 10 and verse 46, Mark chapter 10. Uh, We're going to read the story in a moment of Jesus' conversation with Bartimaeus. So just to kind of set this up while you're turning there, Jesus is heading to Jerusalem. We got a map up here just to kind of give you the geography. So you see the Dead Sea there on the right. Look right above that, the little river that feeds into the Dead Sea. That's the Jordan River. And Jesus is crossing. He's heading. He's heading west to Jerusalem. So we'll only pick up part of this journey, but he's working his way west. So along as he's headed to Jerusalem, there's several uh, uh, interactions that he has that you and I are are familiar with as he's headed to Jerusalem. So he has the uh, the conversation where he says, suffer the little children to come unto me. You know, they were trying to keep the kids away from him. Jesus said, bring me the children. So that happened as well. Uh, he also, uh, the rich young ruler, you remember that story? The rich young guy that said, hey, I want to follow you. Jesus said, you know, sell all your possessions and follow me. That occurred on this particular trip. Uh, if you'll put the map back up just for a moment. So that, that happens. And then he comes. He comes to Jericho on the right. So he crosses the Jordan. You can read this in a previous chapter. And he comes to Jericho, but I want you to see Jerusalem is a little further west. So he he is he comes to Jericho, which is what we are going to talk about, what happens in Jericho this morning. He comes across a blind man, and this is his last stop before he goes to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. Now, this just isn't another. Passover in Jesus' life. This is the last Passover that he will ever celebrate. Matter of fact, uh, one week from the, from the time that he talks to Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, in one week he'll be dead. All right. So this is this this uh, interaction with Bartimaeus is the last miracle. It is the last stop before Jesus goes to Jerusalem, the triumphal entry, and then the the week. The week of his crucifixion and resurrection. So uh, he's he's working his way to Jerusalem. He comes through Jericho. He takes the Jericho road to Jerusalem. But when he comes to Jericho, uh, as he's passing through Jerusalem, something happens, and we'll read. We'll read in uh, verse forty-six, and we're going to work our way through these five or six passages and. Uh, concerning Bartimaeus. So they came to Jericho just as Jesus and his disciples together with a large crowd were leaving a city. A blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. Okay, so Jesus is working his way through Jericho. Hadn't really planned on stopping. He's getting to Jerusalem probably in his heart. He knows this is the last 
you know, uh, moments, days of his life, uh, but he still, you know, he still stops here. So what, what do we know about Bartimaeus? What can we tell from just this, you know, just this little verse here? So number one, of course, he's blind. People know the term. When you say blind Bartimaeus, you know him by the disability that he has. And physical blindness was more common, you know, more common uh, in biblical times. Of, of course, you know, kids, uh, women with infections sometimes or babies, as soon as they were born with, with eye infections, they very rapidly would, would lose their sight. So it's just kind of a very common thing. But also... There was this belief as well that went around that if you were blind, it had something to do with sin in your life or your parents' life. There was just this, you can, you can read John chapter 9 and you can see that, you know, that kind of thinking that was surfaced in, in that particular time. Also, there was no, I mean, in reality, there was no treatment. I mean, there was, there was nothing. There was no medicines. There, there, there was nothing. If you were blind except for a miracle, I mean, you just, you just stayed blind. So, you know, his parents, with great joy, as you would at any kind of birth, they're excited about this little boy that's being born. His father's name was Timaeus, and very excited about this little baby. And there's no medical doctors. There's no way to determine, you know, blindness. But they just kind of notice, maybe after three or four months, almost like we can determine a, 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 an infant is blind today that, he, you know, his, his eyes weren't moving. He, you know, when he would see faces, his head didn't turn. His eyes weren't connected. And maybe after the second or third month, there's this concern in the heart of the parents. Hey, you know, it's not, he's not, he's not looking. He's not moving his head toward light. You know, uh, he scares easily because he can't. See, and there's this kind of fearful moment in the heart of the parent. Oh no, may hope not. I, I hope not. And maybe after five or six months, they come to the determination that this this infant cannot see. He is blind. And when you come to that determination, you know, especially back then, you know, today. People who are born blind, they can live productive lives. You can go to school and you can work. But it was a different era back then when the determination was made, even from the, the parents. This child is blind. He cannot see. Man, what, how, what, what kind of sorrow you know, would, would the, uh, the parents have? Because really, man, there's no future at that point. There's no Braille there's no school, there's no specialty at all to be able to help a blind, you know, help a blind person, you know, learn some kind of life skill. Really, there was no, there was no future. There was a shame that would come on those that had this kind of disability. It was almost like like leprosy, and if you can imagine the, the heart of the parents that are just broken, not only with the blindness, but knowing the difficult life that laid ahead of this little, you know, this little innocent, this little innocent baby. We don't know much about his family. The scripture doesn't mention, was he young? 
when he talks to Jesus old, was he married with, without, uh, with kids? You know, we, we really don't know. Probably, you know, probably not. The only thing we know is the Bible gives his father's name, which was Timaeus. And Timaeus named his son Bartimaeus, which means son, which means son of Timaeus. But also the name Bartimaeus had its own kind of, you know, its own kind of meaning. Back in the biblical times, they named them certain names because they meant certain things. Okay, so Bartimaeus meant honored and revered son. We don't do that much today. You know, like the name Brian. I mean, what does that mean? Okay, what's that? How's that going to help me? Okay, it really means good looking with a great personality. That's what I think it. When I googled it, that's what I came up with. So, all right. So, but the name, the name meant honored and esteemed or revered son. Now, either his family had done one or two things. He's older. So either the family had abandoned him because we see him as a beggar on the side of the road. Even the family had, had abandoned him, which happens sometimes, you know, because, because people, it was, you know, treated with leprosy. There was a shame that came on the family. So sometimes the families would just cut ties. They would move. They would just leave them, kind of abandon them, or... They would just take him to the place, you know, like he's probably on the Jericho Road, which is the the common road where people left Jericho and went to Jerusalem. So they may place him out there. Probably the scripture indicates a little later that he may not have had any family. They may just have abandoned him. So that's kind of what we see. We see also, what do we know about Bartimaeus? He's living a very sad in meager existence. Can you imagine the life of the beggar every day? I mean, what, what's to look forward to? Somebody, whether it's your family or, you know, the kindness or someone else, or maybe you sleep close to where you are a beggar, but that's what you have to look forward to every day is living off the compassion of of others. Can you imagine day after day, socially isolated, lonely, probably with very few social connections because of the, the stigma that, that is with you, but yet, but yet he could hear, you know, he could hear people as they went by. So man, here you are isolated and lonely, but yet as people pass by, you could hear about the dinner last night or Passover that's coming up or, you know, something that people have going on this weekend. And, I mean, what a, you know, just kind of what a, you know, what a, what a terrible life it, it was. Even back then, sometimes depending on the city, they would give you a beggar's coat. The city sometimes or the, 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 the authorities wanted to help those that had legitimate needs so they would give you you know, maybe it may be like a little coat or a blanket that had a certain print on it or a certain fabric so people would know this is not some fly-by-night person taking advantage. This is a legitimate person from our community. They, they live here. So sometimes they would have kind of this beggar's coat that they would either wear and sleep in when they were cold or they would spread out in front of them when they begged and people would... You know, people would drop their, you know, people would drop their coins in it. Sometimes there would be kindness of people. Maybe as 
coins were placed into his hands. Maybe sometimes people bought bought bread, but I mean that was you know that was just the you know that was just the terrible existence of the beggar, and that was the life of Bartimaeus. Well, on this particular day, it's more crowded in Jericho than it normally is because people are coming through Jericho to Jerusalem for. Passover, so it's a huge celebration. So this may, to him, be a big, you know, a big, you know, a big opportunity to, you know, to maybe get get a few more coins. And so the scripture tells us that Jesus and his entourage are coming through Jericho. But there's also other crowds. You know, there's also other crowds of people. Now, one thing we need to keep in mind about Bartimaeus as he is is begging. Because of his blindness, you know, they say when one sense goes, another sense is heightened. Okay, so like if you're, if you're blind, your hearing becomes better and your sense of smell and your sense of touch. So here is this blind man on the side of this very busy road, but he's hearing people as they go by with this heightened sense of, you know, of, of hearing. And, and he was not ignorant of the news that was going on or personal, you know, personal conversations. And it may have been in this moment that, that Barnabas starts hearing a little bit about Jesus. Maybe there's a, a fragment here, a testimony here. I hope that Bartimaeus heard some things about Jesus because of the compassion of his followers that may have stopped and given coins or taken food. But nevertheless, Bartimaeus, he's listening as he's begging every day. And now, man, he's starting to compile these fragments about Jesus that we will see just a little bit just a little bit later. Also, and the last thing about blind Bartimaeus, he was physically blind, but he was spiritually aware. He was physically blind, but yet he was open to the possibility of maybe Jesus working in his in his life. He he may not could have seen, but yet his heart Man, he was open. Maybe this is real. Maybe, maybe he can help me. Maybe there can be, maybe there can be a life change. So he was physically blind but spiritually aware, which is transposed today for some people who have physical sight, but they are spiritually blind. They can see with their eyes. They have 20-20 vision, but yet their heart is closed off to what God wants to do in their life because spiritual blindness is those that reject God's word and God's work in their particular life. Jesus started referencing this to the Pharisees. He even used the term, you are the blind, you know, the the blind following the blind. These are people that can see, but yet they are closed off to the work that that God wants to do in their life. In John chapter 9, when he when he healed the man on the mat and the Pharisees were criticizing him, Jesus said, "I came into this world that those who are blind may see." So he's referring to people that have physical sight, but yet there's spiritual blindness in their heart. They're closed off to the work that God can do and wants to do in their life. 
Revelation chapter 3 is the, one of the greatest passages on spiritual blindness that you will see. It says, you say, I am rich and I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. He said, but you do not realize you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. You see, the problem with spiritual blindness sometimes is that you think you're doing well. But in, but in reality, spiritually, you are blind before God. You are not open to His work. I'm good. I'm okay. I want to tell you something. Some of you are walking in spiritual blindness and you don't even know it. You think you're doing well, but you've closed your heart off from a work that God wants to do in his life, in your life. Bartimaeus was physically blind and spiritually aware. But we have people walking around today who have physical sight, but they are, they are spiritually blind. Let's look at this. A little further, this interaction, just while, while, while we're here. How do, how do we as believers interact with those with disabilities? How do we as believers interact with those with disabilities? Wow. You see, the possibility of someone being blind, you know, and being mistreated was recognized and forbidden by God. This was, this was happening. I want to read you these passages. Deuteronomy 27. Cursed is anyone who leads the blind astray on the road. I mean, really, there were people, when they came across someone who could not see, would send them the wrong direction on the, on the road. How, how cruel is that? But I want you to see God's heart of compassion and to, to help those who may have some form of disability. Leviticus 19, do not curse the deaf. Or put a stumbling block in front of the blind, but fear your God, I am the Lord. Really? Were people really putting things in front of blind people to trip them? Really? Were people doing that? And the Lord's got a word for you. He said, uh, you know, you fear your God and I am the Lord. Just keep that in mind. So there's this heart of compassion and protection that, the, that God has and wants us to have when it, when it comes to those with, with disabilities. You know, sometimes we are busy. Sometimes we can't relate to maybe what people are going through in their, in their, in their certain world. And we are not sure what to say. So we don't say anything which lends sometimes to the isolation that those with disabilities may have and the feeling that they are invisible to, to humanity. But can we, just as believers, go, you know what? We're going to do a little something better. We're going to step up our game a little bit. I think it's pleasing to the Lord. So when we run across those and what, with a disability and whatever form, we treat them not only with dignity and compassion, but also friendship, okay? If it's at all possible, if there's any kind of relational proximity, man, we need to, we, we don't, we don't want to just be compassionate. That's great. But if at all possible, man, they, sometimes they're, they're lonely. Sometimes they're, they're looking for someone who would just spend a few moments with them. Can we go, if at all possible, we're going to take the next step, not only from dignity and compassion, but we're going to try to establish Establish a friendship with them as well. How about be gracious and generous and help meet their financial 
needs. Sometimes because of disability, there is a great financial need. There, you know, and maybe, maybe you can help a little bit, help a lot. But just know normally there's an untold story usually of finance that maybe God is sending us by to help in some way. Be patient and kind when we come across those with disabilities. You know, there are certain businesses that try to hire people with disabilities and we interact with them sometimes. And I want to say if that ever presents itself, we want to be patient and kind and understanding. Sometimes their social skills may not, you know, be what we're used to being or their, their, their occupational skills are not what they should be. But, you know, if that business is trying to help them, then that's not the time that we go to the manager and complain. If there's ever a time, you know, that we show compassion and kindness, it's in that moment. It's in that moment. If you're a student, if you're a student, there are kids in your school with any form of disability, okay? Here is your opportunity. You ever want to do ministry? You ever want Jesus to use you? You want Him to use you and you've got, you've got visions of Africa? No, I think it starts right in your own school with those that are disabled, okay? Because sometimes they may feel a certain isolation. They feel invisible. Everybody else kind of moves on. And here's your opportunity to be kind and establish a friendship. And I want to say too, if you ever see anyone bully someone with a disability, either you stop it or you go to your teacher and have it stopped. But that is completely unacceptable in your world. At some point you got to do something. You got to do something there. I got a call. Um, and it was seven, eight, nine years ago. I was going to our annual meeting of pastors. And I got a call from a lady. She was blind. She said, hey, my, my ride has fallen through. Is there any way that you can give me a ride? And I'm like, okay, whatever. So I go, I go pick her up, help her in the car. When I'm helping her in the car, I realize I'm the guide for the day, okay? I just thought I was the transportation. No, I'm the guide. I'm the guy that does this. Help her in the car. We're driving to our annual meeting. It was at a hotel and a convention center. And just along the way, we were chatting, and I just asked, you know, so your, your blindness, how did that come about in your life? And she just said, you know, when she was like a senior in high school or in college, some kind of genetic kind of defect, slowly the lights just kind of like they would dim every day until finally over the course of maybe 18 months to two years, she couldn't see anything, you know. And I'm just telling you, I mean, I just had like little tears in my eyes as she's telling the story about going, hey, this is probably the last week that I'll ever be able to see. Can I just remind you that behind every disability, there is a person and a story that goes with that, okay. We get to the convention center I was like, hey, I don't know where to park. She pulls out the parking pass, you know, the handicapped spot. I park right up front. All right. So I get her, and I'm, I'm, she's got her stick, and I'm, I'm doing this. And she's, you know, I said, hey, I, I don't really know what to do here. She said, you know, just, you know, just kind of tell me when we're coming up the steps and things like that. And we're coming in the convention center. And man, you know, they're sliding doors. You don't ever think about a sliding door till you got somebody on your arm like that. You know, so I'm, oh, okay, okay. And she's got her, got her stick, and we come in and we start walking because, of course, the convention center's in the very back, right? It's the last one. So she says, as we're walk, walking along the road, 
tell me what you see. Tell me what you see. So I'm like, okay, well, we're, we're like in this huge atrium. There's a huge chandelier. There's a, there's a piano, a grand piano. It's kind of warm colors, you know, kind of golds and browns. I mean, she's just smiling, and she is processing this, and we're walking slowly. She's doing her, you know, she's doing her stick, and every so often she'd go, just tell me what you see. Tell me what you see, and I'm, I'm trying to do my best, and, you know, not run her into a wall or something, and, and let me just say, too, People were so rude. They're cutting in and out, and they're bumping her, and there's this crowd of people. And I just wanted to shout, can you not see there is a blind person with a man who has no idea what he's doing standing here? Turn the corner. Tell me what you see. Tell me what you see. I said, well, I see an escalator, and I'm not really sure what to do at this point. You know, like... You, know, you always had the dream you're going to be sucked into the steps. Do I put you on my back? What is the protocol here? I don't know. <clears throat> Navigate. Just tell me what you see. Tell me what you see. We're coming into the room. It's got chairs. and I sat with her, sat with next to her until somebody else came and got her for her lunch. And I want to tell you, just that very small window put me in her world for just a little while. And when I got through, I saw another side of living with a disability, okay? Just for a very short window of opportunity, I just want to say to you, okay, when we see those with, with those kind of issues in their life, that may be God opening a door for us to... Maybe just reach out when normally we would ignore. Maybe put $5 in their hand when we'd normally walk by. Ask for help. Speak slowly. Listen. If they speak slowly, here's an opportunity, really. You want to live out the gospel, okay? Here is your opportunity when we come across people with disabilities, okay? So uh, uh, Jesus is walking through Jericho, and Bartimaeus he calls out to Jesus and he said, when he, when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now listen, here's a guy who who maybe doesn't know a lot about Jesus at all. He's just been a, been a beggar, probably hasn't been, you know, in the synagogue at all. He just maybe has just a little bit of knowledge, just a few scraps and fragments about, about Jesus. But he calls out to him anyway. And can I say to you this morning, you may be that way. You may not know a lot about the Bible. You may not know a lot about Jesus. But yet, there may be this hunger in your heart that you cannot explain. And look, you don't have to be theologically correct. You just call out to Jesus. Let me tell you, you don't have to make an A on your Jesus test to get to know Jesus. All you got to do is call on His name, okay? That's all you got to do. You don't have to know a lot. You don't have to know a lot about Him. Isn't that good? 
Isn't that good? Some of us were raised in church. We knew a lot about Jesus. Some, we weren't raised in church. How many of you were not raised in church? You didn't know a whole lot about the Lord, but you came to the Lord. Raise your hand. Raise your hand. See? See, people, people don't always know a lot, but yet there was this, there was this hunger in his, in his heart. And I want to say if that's you this morning, I haven't been around church a lot. I haven't been in small groups. It doesn't matter because you know what? He did not know a lot about Jesus, but yet his prayer and his cry was theologically perfect. Number one, he called him the son of David, which meant he was acknowledging not only was he in the lineage of Abraham, but he was in the line of David, which meant he was the Messiah. Boy, he got an A on that one right there. And then he said, have mercy on me. He did not come with any airs. He did not come with a resume of good deeds that he had. He simply just fell upon the mercy of Jesus and said, Jesus, have mercy on me. And I want to tell you, he may not have known a lot about Jesus, but he just prayed the most theologically perfect prayer that you'll ever pray and just say, have mercy on me. Just pray that prayer. Open your heart up, God. I don't know a lot about the Bible. I don't know a lot about church. But there's something down in my heart that is longing. And Lord, I call out to you today. And I promise you, He'll answer. He'll answer that today. He'll answer that. Amen. And I want to I say something too to the believers. Your testimony of how God has worked in your life might be the seed that someone else needs to turn someone to Jesus. He's sitting there on this mat day by day. He's hearing this. He's hearing this. He's hearing this. He may not have had any kind of formal education about the Lord, but yet, maybe through people's compassion and interaction with them, maybe hearing about, about what Jesus has done, he's putting this rough puzzle together with these different pieces of his life, and, and you never know when it's your testimony that may give the full picture to someone about Jesus. So I want to tell you this morning, if Jesus has done something for you, you tell somebody about it. If He's done a miracle in your life, tell somebody about it. If He saved you, if you've got a financial miracle, a healing, you tell people about that and you never know how God will use that one testimony. See, you don't know what already is working in people's lives. And it might be your testimony that gives the full picture about what Jesus can do in your life. So I say, if you've got any praise, give Him praise. If you've got a testimony, let people know. You use your social media for all kinds of other things. I think it's great that we use it to testify for the glory of God. Let people know. Let people know. How did He come to this knowledge? You know, just hearing what people are saying. And then I love this. You know, it's the importance of perseverance and expectation. Okay? It's the importance of perseverance and expectation. Never underestimate the cry of faith. Never underestimate the cry of faith. I want to tell you, there will always be those that will tell you, Shh! Stop! Don't do it! Don't go there! He, don't, he prayed that prayer one time. And was he greeted with applause? 
brought right into the presence of Jesus? No. It was others that said, shh, don't bother him. You're being too loud. But he did not, he did not stop there. And I want to say something to those who might tell you to shh and be quiet. They don't know what you're walking through. They don't know the misery that's going on in your life. They don't know the trial that you may be facing. If people trying to put you down or tell you to be quiet, all the more you raise your voice and call out to God. I promise you He'll answer your prayer. Verse 49. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. And they called to the blind man. Cheer up. On your feet. He's calling to you. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you, Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. So in the, in, the, in the previous chapters, Jesus had been healing blind people, okay? Maybe that had gotten back to Bartimaeus. Just previously, Jesus had healed the man, you know, where he spit and he put the mud on his eyes, you know? I mean, he'd, what, what, a, what an unusual miracle, but it's a miracle. And I just want to say, if I'm sick and you spit on me, that's fine, but there better be a healing, that's all I'm saying, If there's not a healing, there's going to be some violence. That's what I'm saying there. He didn't care. Spit on me. It doesn't matter. I I want to see, but he does. He does something there that just kind kind of got my attention. You see, he left his old beggar clothes. It said he threw his beggar's clothes aside. The identity of the beggar that he had had. The whole time, that identity, that's all that he had ever known. That's all that he had ever done. He had that beggar's cloak. And it said when Jesus called him, he threw that beggar's cloak aside. Because I want you to remember what his name meant. His name meant honored and revered son. And there are times that your circumstances and what people may speak over you contradict the word that God has spoken over you. But there is a time that you leave behind your beggar's cloak. Your identity sometimes has been formed by circumstances in your life or failures of what people have said over your life. And there comes a time through Jesus that you leave beside that old beggar's cloak, that identity of the old. And man, you walk to the new destiny of what God has for you. My identity is not framed by my circumstances or what people have said about uh, or what people have said about me. Sometimes that's the way we think. We have a beggar mentality. People have always said you'll you'll just be this, you'll be this, you'll be this. Or your circumstances have worked out to you. And man, your identity is now framed by your circumstances or words that have been, have been spoken over you. And you have grown up or you have now adapted the beggar's mentality 
over your life. It affects your worship. It affects your service. It affects when you stand before God, that old, that old beggar's mentality. But I want to just remind you of a few things this morning. My identity is not framed by the words that people speak over me or the circumstances that have befallen me. My identity is found in the work of Jesus Christ and what He did for me on the cross. My identity is found that I am a child of God created in the image of God. My identity is formed because I'm a member of God's family with an inheritance that is soon to come. My identity is formed this morning because I'm redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus which shows great value in me. I and My identity is formed not because of my failures of the past but because I have been forgiven and I am a new son in Jesus Christ and this morning I throw off the beggar's cloak and all that's gone on in my past and I walk toward Jesus this morning. I'm walking in a new destiny today. I'm leaving that junk behind. He threw that. Jesus said, what do you want me to do? He said, man, I want to be, I want to be healed. I want to be healed. And he said, you got your sight right now. You got your sight. Your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight. And he does something else that I want us to see here. What does he do next? Brent, worship team, you guys, you guys can come. Once he got his sight, he didn't go back to his hometown kind of to catch up with his friends and family because maybe there was none. No, I don't know. See, some people get their miracle from God and then they go back to their old life. I've seen that. I've seen that. In the hospital, praying with people who had loved ones, life or death, and they would make a promise that I never told them to make. If you, if you do this, I'll serve you. And the miracle came and they, they never made that step. You know, some people get the miracle, but that wasn't what Bartimaeus did. He got the miracle, but then there was something else that was met in the, on, on, the inside of his, on the inside of his heart, and he followed Jesus. Jesus didn't even say, follow me. Jesus said, go. Go, you're healed. Go. You can, you can go anywhere. You can do anything that you want to do. But yet, there was something on the inside that was met through this person of Jesus. I get it. And there was a huge miracle there. That would have got my attention as well. Okay? But there was also something down. There was something down in his heart. And he could have gone back to his old life. And man, whether if he didn't have a family or job, he could have, he could have done that. But we know for the next season of his life, he just kind of, he kind of followed, he followed Jesus. Listen to me. Because that's what discipleship is all about. Not just getting my salvation and kind of working on my own from them, but it's about following Jesus, hanging out with Jesus, staying with Jesus. He did. You're healed. Go. Said he followed him. No, sorry. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Now, 
very few times in the New Testament when you read about a healing is there a name attached with it. Very few times. Jesus healed a lot of nameless people. But yet, here, we know his name. And probably because for the next season of his life, he just lived with the disciples. He just lived with them. And when Mark penned this great story, Bartimaeus wasn't a stranger. Bartimaeus was one that took the miracle and what the Lord had done in his life, but he continued to follow and he continued to serve. Okay? And I want to say, the miracle of whatever he does in your life is wonderful. But the best miracle is the miracle of the heart. Not just in the first time, but the follow-up to that. It's the lifetime. It's not just the first time. It's the lifetime of getting to know Jesus. Okay? He didn't leave. didn't go back. Who followed Jesus for the next foreseeable time. Hey, this morning, this morning we read this, we read this great story. I love this, I love this story. And today, maybe you're here today. Maybe there's some spiritual blindness in your own life. Like on the exterior, everything's good, you know, like the job and the home and happy with your life and yet I mean there's nothing going on in your heart your walk with God and you, you have to be very careful because some spiritual blindness can walk in I read you that passage that said hey we're rich but you don't even realize that you're blind okay because the sum total of what God wants to do in your life is not about your bank account or the home that you live in or the job that you have something else that he wants to do and my prayer is if we got a little blindness going today that the Lord's going to pull that off and go you know what there's some other things that I want to do in your heart as well in addition to some of these blessings that you already have maybe you're here today your life is in a mess it's kind of veered off course from what you know what you had ever planned maybe you find yourself in church at the invitation of a of a person, maybe you're not from a church background, a religious background, I'm just telling you it doesn't matter. We don't care. We just want you to call out to the Lord if that's in your heart this morning, if that's if that's in your heart today, we want you to call out, call out to the Lord. And I'm telling you, He can meet your physical needs, but He can also meet the needs. He can also meet the needs down here. Maybe there are those of you this morning and you've, you've got an identity of failure, things that people have spoken over you, circumstances that have worked out not the way that you wanted to in your whole life, the way you frame your life is that, is that of the beggar. I'm telling you, there's another life that he's got for you. Your identity is not wrapped in that. You're, he's got a new, a new identity for you this morning. We're going to pray. We're going to pray over those areas in just a moment. Would you stand with me? I want to pray over those that are at the altar this morning. Maybe you're in your seat today. You have these needs. Lord, I pray for those that feel away from God this morning for whatever reason, Lord. Or maybe sin or is kind of separated. Maybe they've never known you, known a lot about you. Lord, we pray this morning that you will hear the simple cry 
that just says, have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy on me, Lord. I pray for those this morning, Lord, who are away from you, Lord, that you are drawing. Those that came, Lord, with a, with a hold in their heart this morning that's open to God, I pray over them today. I pray, Lord, that you'll forgive, you'll redeem, you'll restore. This morning, they'll know you in your fullness. Lord, I pray. I pray for the heart. I pray forgiveness of sin. I pray for restoration. God, I pray that you'll do this work in their heart this morning. Lord, I pray. I pray over them today. I pray. Lord, I pray for those, Lord, who by the words or the circumstances of others, Lord, they've, they're living a different life. Lord, they're living in a beggar's world. Lord, I pray, God, I pray and I just speak that word of identity over them, Lord, that their, their identity in you is not framed by the words or the actions of others. Lord, you've got another plan. You've got another plan. Let us leave behind beggar's clothes today. Walk in the fullness of that identity, Lord, that you've given, Lord. We pray. We pray. We pray. And I pray for everyone that needs a physical touch today. I pray for everyone, Lord, that just needs a physical miracle today. If that's you, just real quick, raise your hand up and down. We're just going to pray over you. I pray, Lord, in this congregation, Lord. I thank you for every doctor. I thank you for medicine. I thank you for those in the medical field. But Lord, today we pray for the touch of Jesus. Lord, I pray for the gift of miracles, Lord, to operate in this place. I pray for the gift of faith. Lord, I pray for the gift of healing in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray. I pray, Lord, not with any righteousness of our own, but through the shed blood of Jesus, Lord. By your stripes, we are healed this morning, and we stand, and we rest on that. And I pray, Lord, the anointing to heal in the heart, the mind, the body, Lord. I pray, God, that that will be here. So, Lord, we speak life this morning. We speak wholeness. We speak healing, Lord. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray. We pray, we pray, Lord, heal sick bodies, restore today, Lord. We pray, we pray over that today. I pray, Lord, that virtue of healing, that anointing of healing, Lord, will touch bodies as people are reaching out to you in faith this morning through expectancy and perseverance. God, I pray for a moment of healing, physical healing in the name of Jesus, Lord. Come on, would you just take a moment? Can we just pray over that today? God, I pray. I pray. Lord, I pray you'll touch the body as you touch the, the heart, Lord. You'll touch the body today as people are reaching out to you with expectation and perseverance and faith. Lord, I don't know anything else to do but to ask for your healing today. By your stripes, we are healed. We rest in that this morning, Lord. Touch sick bodies Touch fevered brows, Lord. Touch hearts today, Lord. We pray. We pray. We pray. Can we just stay another moment just praying for physical healing this morning? Lord, I pray. I pray, God, that you will do that work, Lord. We pray. Our worship, Lord, is not based on whether there's a healing that comes or not. We're going to worship you. We're going to pray. We're going to praise you. But, Lord, we stand in need. You ask Bartimaeus, what do you want? He said, I want to see. God, I pray over that today. I pray. I pray. I pray. 
Oh, God. Oh, God, do your work today. Do your work. Do your work. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Hey, listen, I'm going to be down at the front if I can pray with you about anything this morning. Talk to you maybe about something God spoke to you this morning or doing in your heart. I want to say, too, just as a reminder, so when we run across people that have any form of disability, they're a little different, their life is different, that's our opportunity in that moment to do a little something special, okay? They live a life maybe with loneliness and feel invisible. This is our opportunity to plant a seed, and you never know the picture that God is building in their heart through the words and the compassion of other people, okay? All right? All right. Hey, I love you guys. Have a great Thanksgiving. Remember, it's low-fat, low-calorie Thanksgiving this year. All right? All right? I'm just kidding. God bless you. Thank you for coming. I'll be glad to talk with you in front at the end of the service. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.